Welcome, you're listening to a broadcast from Barnabas Foundation, your trusted partners for smart and powerful giving. Good morning, everyone, and thank you for joining us. My name is Kurt Nola, Director of Member Relations here at Barnabas Foundation. And joining me here shortly will be uh, Nathan Osborne, our Managing Director of Planning here at the Foundation. And uh, we just thank you for joining us today as we talk about the, to the topic of seven reasons why you should review your will. Um, quick note, we do have some weather moving through the area here. There's just been some thunder and lightning going off. And uh, uh, a few minutes ago, the power did flicker. So if we have any sort of technical problem related to weather, we will be sure to uh, reschedule this broadcast for a future time. But interesting that we're talking about seven reasons to review your will and certainly uh, experiencing some uh, a tornado or something along the ways might cause one to rethink their uh, their estate planning uh uh, on how it's set up. But anyway, uh, quick question, uh, just a quick uh, comment about Barnabas Foundation. We know many of you are donors to the ministry partners that we, um, uh, that we work with on a daily basis. Barnabas Foundation has been around for 45 years, assisting about 200 Christian charities across the country with estate planning and complex gift planning needs. And so um, you were invited to this session by uh, one of those partners that we have out there. And we know there's many of you um, and many of our members that are on the line with us as well today. So again, thank you for joining us. Um, the topic today, as I mentioned, is seven reasons why you should review your will. And something that we do on a daily basis is help people, um, donors of all ages, um, plan uh, what their estate should look like. And first question I'll dive into here with, uh, with Nathan is, you know, why is it so important, Nathan, as an attorney, for individuals and families to have a will or a trust? Great question. Thanks for having me, Kurt. Uh, <clears throat> well, there's two different ways you can manage your estate. One would be through beneficiary designations or through wills and trusts. And as an attorney, I can tell you that um, while beneficiary designations can be very appropriate for specific assets, the overall communication and control over your estate is really done through a will or a trust. And so uh, it's really important to have that broader umbrella in case there's any disputes or, uh, it, you know, the other thing I always tell people too, as Christians, our estate plan is really our, it's our last opportunity to communicate to those around us what is really uh, important to us and what our values are. And so not only as a lawyer, but as a Christian lawyer, that's why I would encourage uh, an individual to have a will or a trust, you know, as an estate plan. Excellent. Um, as we go through today's conversation here, Nathan, um, just a reminder to anybody watching, if you have a question uh, throughout, um, you're feel free to ask it. Pipe it right into the Q&A portion of the, um, at the bottom of your screen. It'll pop up here on my screen and we'll address those questions uh, as we go here. Um, so, Nathan, you mentioned beneficiary designations and certainly over the last, oh, a handful of years, we've seen the, the rise of transfer on death deeds and the use of payable on death instructions and so forth. How has that changed the need to have a will or a trust? Is it still just as important if you have that stuff in place to still have that will in place? Yeah, I, I really believe it is. And, and, you know, part of my earlier answer was because, you know, it's this broader plan that you have in place. Uh, and there are limitations on the effectiveness, especially with transfer on death deeds, because real estate can be really complicated. And I, you know, it, it's, it, it's a nice tool to have in the toolbox, I would say but the toolbox really is your estate plan. And so these things are great, uh, but I certainly don't pretty much ever recommend just kind of going the, the designation of beneficiary route solely because it just, uh, it, it doesn't solve all the uh, potential problems that could arise of an estate settlement. So 
it's really important to have a centerpiece like a will or a trust if it's needed. So, well, I like the way you framed it. The first uh, the, after the first question is it's it's your final kind of document where you laid out what your values are to your heirs and yes. able to communicate that through your estate plan. What what values were important to you um, uh, in those documents as a way to communicate mm -hmm. that. Um, it, we, the question about um, a, a recording being available. Yes, we the session is being recorded and um, a recording will be available if anybody's interested in viewing that later or has a family member they'd like to see it or uh, perhaps a donor another organization um, you can reach out to the ministry that invited you here today to uh, to attend and or us directly and i'll give you some contact information at the end of our broadcast um wills trust these things these are not a set it and forget it type of thing right this is a living breathing thing that really should be reevaluated on a periodic basis correct that is correct. Yeah, there's lots of reasons why you should think about doing that. Okay. Well, and we're going to dive into some of those things here because we, we a few years ago, we wrote up kind of a little conversation piece that many of our members have used over time called Seven Reasons Why You Should Review Your Will. And, um, and so we'll just start off. One of the biggest things that often happens is changing nature of family. Um, what are some of the things that happen inside of a family that would necessitate taking the will off the shelf and or out of the file cabinet and, and reviewing it again? Well, we all love our families. <laughs> and the reason I uh, love doing estate planning so much is I get to meet so many families and work with so many families. And we love our families. Families change all the time. Family dynamics change all the time. Relationships change. You know, uh, the first thing I normally would ask someone who would want to review uh, for of a will or even to start their first is, you know, have you had any children recently? Have you been married recently? Have you been remarried recently? Have your kids been remarried or divorced recently? You know, families change, Kurt. Uh, we all know this. We've all experienced this. And anytime your family changes, the dynamics change there, it's a very good time to think about a review of your will or existing plan. I had uh, just a quick story. I had a lady come to me once who um, she had her daughter's ex-husband as a beneficiary <laughs> in her will. Didn't know it, didn't realize it. And uh, we, as soon as I pointed that out, she was horrified by that. And uh, I think that just, that little story illustrates the importance of the changing family and why a review would be needed, so. Yeah, it's a good point because we do, we do these documents and life does happen. New babies are born and children get married and other special circumstances develop, divorces happen or remarriages as I'm gonna experience here in just a handful of weeks as I get remarried in, in I think it's 38 days, um, my estate plan needs to be reviewed again as we're now blending two families together. Um, but it's easy to overlook those things when they happen in life because you put that, that will in the file cabinet and right. you forget about it. It just kind of sits do, there yeah. for years and years and years. That's why we often do encourage folks as we work with families um, to look at it every three to five years, just put a reminder out there on your calendar somehow and, and take it out and just read through it and say, does this still reflect the values that we have as a family and how we want our assets to be disposed of in our final act of stewardship? Um, another thing that does change from time to time is charitable relationships. How, how might that affect the need to change um, or update a will? Yeah, this is a really good one because, you know, a lot of times uh, either a person or a couple has, ha they have their will done or estate plan done when they're very young. And there's two things that are, could be uh, happening. One is they're not really involved with ministries or churches, or they've kind of been moving around because they've been through college, they're young, that sort of thing. And, but then they start to settle in. Okay. And the other thing that happens too, is a lot of times when you first do your will or your 
or your estate plan, you don't really have a lot of assets, you know, because you're very young. So these two factors really affect your charitable intent, I think, as time goes by. Because number one, you get involved in ministries, uh, you become very uh, invested emotionally and spiritually, maybe in a local church, maybe a food pantry, you know, whatever your passion is. And so this changes over time. And, you, and at the same time, maybe your asset grows or your asset um, pool is growing, you know, your, the, the amount of money you have. And so you just become more intent on charitable giving. And so a will or a trust or an estate plan is an excellent way to include, uh, to give to ministries who are close to your heart. And so what we find is uh, people want to, you know, they say, oh, I want to give uh, some of my estate to, you know, to the charities that, that are close to my heart. And so that, that's when they uh, call us and they say, hey, I want a review of my estate plan and my will. And I want to think rethink my charitable giving because right now I don't have any of that in my estate planning. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a conversation that we have with donors on a daily basis. It's, um, it is. it's interesting, especially when we're working with families in, for many, many years to watch how those values have changed. And we have experience with folks where we started planning with them perhaps when they were in their 40s and their main concern was the guardianship of their children and setting up trusts to make sure that they were cared for but now in their 70s their their focus is my children are doing just fine and well themselves and while we want to provide some things for them we have the freedom to provide for these causes that are so near and dear to our hearts um, and it's just wonderful to watch that kind of change and spiritual growth happen uh, inside of families and individuals as they um, as they move through life. Um, yeah. But one another thing that happens for many folks is careers do change, right? And and you wouldn't think necessarily that a career change would cause a need to update your will or trust, but some of these things can be very meaningful, right? That's correct. Yeah. And when I think of career change affecting your will or trust, I think of kind of three factors. Number one, has your position and income changed? Has there been a big change there? If so you really should rethink, you know, what your estate looks like and therefore look at your will. Uh, Another huge one is, did you start a business or did you inherit a business or did you uh, buy into a business or whatever? Once you become a business owner, this will drastically change how your estate plan looks. So that's, this is another big road, uh, a T in the road where you need to think about, you know, a a review. Uh, The other thing is, is have you recently, uh, retirement, you know, have you recently retired or are you coming up to retirement? And, and I, I think about this like five years before retirement or immediately after retirement. You know, if you've not had your plan reviewed up to that point, it's I feel like it's really crucial. Uh, you really need to sit down with a professional. And of course, like you said, Kurt, our planners here at Barnabas, we do this every day. And uh, you need to you just want to get some professional input on what you have on paper and make sure that uh, your family and, and your estate is going to be in good order. Yeah, especially those business owners too, when you start to think about the business transition issues that come up later in life when you're ready to retire. You know, how do you, and if you have children that are involved in the business and some that are not, creates uh-huh. all kinds of complicated planning scenarios as well. That's cool. Um, yes. So that, that kind of leads then, as we talked about career, um, and I do see there's a couple questions that did pop up um, here, and we'll address those here in a few minutes as we get towards the end of, after we get through these reasons, um, because they're very specific ones, but we'll certainly touch on those. Um, but as you move through your career, oftentimes your wealth, over time, as you age, your wealth continues to change, and you gather assets, and you accumulate things, whether it be um, in financial assets, or real estate, or whatever it might be. So Asset changes can cause a, a need to necessitate a, a, an update of a plan, correct? Yes, for sure. And there's a couple of different things here. Maybe your current asset base, like your investments or so, or, or in that pool will grow. 
So that's kind of one, one area we see this. The other one is you just acquire more property, you know, maybe you just simply moved next door, literally. Um, or you bought, what I'm saying is maybe you just bought a new residence and you moved. If you didn't, if that wasn't handled correctly in the context of your estate plan, you could be in some trouble there. Okay. Um, now the other thing is you might, you might buy a second home, a vacation place in Michigan or somewhere like that. And, uh, if you, uh, if you've done that and you've not had your plan reviewed since that's a, uh, you know, you really should think about a review to make sure that those new assets are covered. So those are kind of the two areas that we look at is has your current base grown and does that need to be addressed or did you buy additional real estate or other assets that we need to make sure are covered with your plan? Mm -hmm. And you know, to moving in that last one, and that's uh, our, one of our fifth reasons we talk about oftentimes, um, we don't not always realize it, but a state law is different from state to state. And therefore, if you do move across state lines, especially um, not only within state, but across state lines, that may necessitate an update to a plan, correct? That is correct. And that could be from a legal perspective. It also could be from a convenience perspective. So uh, you really should have it reviewed from a legal perspective, uh, just to make sure that whatever you currently have would, would be valid in the state or cover you. If not, you should get it updated. The second thing, though, is just simply convenience. You know, maybe you moved away from your executor or, or your agents. You know, maybe you moved across the country. Mm. And so um, you don't want necessarily these people having to fly back and forth to sign checks for you if you're incapacitated or to settle your estate if needed. You might want to rethink who your executors are and the key people in your uh, estate plan, uh, even if your beneficiaries stay the same. You want to probably have people who are more local that can help out. Right, right. Well, and that raises another thing that we didn't even have on this list here, but perhaps um, you've had a falling out with your executor and you're not as right. friends with them, or perhaps the executor that you've named in your will has died. Right. Um, that can necessitate changes as well. So great. Exactly. Yeah. Um, what we've seen over the last couple of decades, at least in my history here at Barnabas over the last 15 years, we've seen a lot of estate tax law changes from a very low exemption and high tax rates to moderate exemption amounts to very high exemption amounts. Now, I think it's what, 25, $26 million that a couple can have and pay no estate tax on. And I think if we pay any attention at all to what's going on in Congress and the Biden administration, we can certainly anticipate that they, they hope to make a change to that and bring the exemption levels back down again. Um, and, and some talks of changes in, in basis step up and so on and so forth. But tax law has a very meaningful impact um, on the need to update plans. Yeah, that's correct. And we've seen recently, especially with the pan, well, not only what you touched on with the exemptions and that, I think most, uh, I think most professionals feel like our, these days of the very high exemption are probably going to go away at some point. Mm -hmm. um, I certainly think there's anticipation of that. Uh, the other thing, too, is with the pandemic, there's been a couple other things, the CARES Act, and then before that, the SECURE Act, which has changed how uh, you should be thinking about your uh, estate plan as well. So, yeah, tax law is a, is a big driver of, of the need to review your, your plan and what's in place. Yep. And then lastly, it's just time, right? And we touched on this at the beginning. It, this, your estate plan is a living document that really needs to continue to change over time as, as you move through life. Uh, any other comments on that as you've worked with the, you know, families and couples over the years in your practice? Yeah, I think, uh, I think uh, time itself is probably not the driving factor, but time passes and things change. And I think we tend to focus on the passage of time more than we think about the changes that are happening in our family. And so I think 
what I think how time fits in here, Kurt, is what you want to do is if it's been five years, three years, whatever, since you've thought about your estate plan, you just need to sit down and think about what changes have occurred in that time period. And then you kind of need to work backwards on that. Sure. So I, and I think professionals are very good at helping you look at that from, you know, if you, if your motivation is, well, I haven't looked at it in five years, then you sit down with a professional and the professional can help you analyze the changes that have occurred over those five years. And then we can re make a recommendation of what you need to change about your plan to reflect your current goals, values, and circumstances. Yeah, excellent. Now, for those of you watching and those who may watch this uh, uh, as a recorded version later on, as a supporter of any of our member organizations, you have the opportunity to sit down with our team of planners, whether it be Nathan himself or, or other folks on our team, Adam and Travis and Jim and Steve and Amy, um, who are all estate planning attorneys themselves, and they are available to you at no cost. Um, and there's no fundraise effort. We don't raise money for ourselves. We don't try to sell you anything. We're here to be a ministry to you to help you think through, um, perhaps it's something going on in your life now, you're selling the family farm or divesting a rental property, whatever it might be, or it's just the end of life kind of planning your estate plan. Um, our experts are here available to consult with you to design that plan um, on paper. Now, one thing to note is while they are attorneys, we're not your attorney. And so we will not draft your final documents, but we will refer you to excellent counsel that we've worked with if, if we have someone in your area and uh, to make sure that you get that um, uh, those documents completed and that they reflect your values. And then even when that's done, again, you can come back to us and review that plan again, three years, five years down the road, and we'll work with you to make sure that it's still reflecting your family dynamic situation um, and the values that you hold. Um, the couple quick questions that came in, these are very specific questions, and so we'll just dive right into them. Um, so Nathan, uh, one person asks, what is the value of having an elder law attorney involved in creating a revocable living trust? Quite a specific question, but someone who has a situation going on right now will be happy to try to answer that for you. Any, any comment there, Nathan? Yeah, elder law tends to just encompass a much larger area. Uh, so you would be looking at things like healthcare planning, uh, cost of healthcare planning, um, looking at things like, you know, spending the estate down um, to, to meet certain requirements for certain programs. Uh, and, and estate planning certainly tends to be a part of elder law, but uh, estate planning is probably a little more, estate and tax planning is more specific than elder law. I hope that answers that question. It's just more of a, uh, of a it's just a very broad area of the law that can cover guardianship, conservatorship, family issues. Uh, like that, that need immediate court attention, whereas estate planning tends to be more proactive planning for future events. So I hope that answers that question. No, certainly, I think you did. And, and each state's unique. And so there may very well be ne necessity to have an elder, uh, elder law attorney involved, depending on the nature of the asset base, the health of the individuals and so forth. Um, another question came in, should you include specific directions for real estate, such as home in your estate plan? Absolutely, right? Really specific directions across some of your, or if not all of your assets, right? Yeah, I think so. I think, I think this is really individualistic for each family. Um, where this really comes into play is usually like family homes and family cottages and things like mm -hmm. that. Uh, these are near and dear to your heart, and you see these as a centerpiece to future generations. And particularly with those types of items, you're gonna to wanna to use a revocable trust and you're probably gonna to wanna to put some very specific rules on who can use those things, when they can be used. And you're also gonna to wanna to contribute other assets for the maintenance of those. So yeah, great question. And uh, certainly uh, most families are gonna do something like that. 
And we have a question here asking about a recommendation for a will or estate planner in the Grand Rapids area. Um, thank you for the question. One of the great things for you uh, that you benefit from is we have two estate planning attorneys that work for Barnabas Foundation that are based in West Michigan. Um, it's where we actually started with most of our work back in the 70s was in the uh, Grand Rapids area. So I would encourage you, uh, Brad, to give our office a call um, at 888-448-3040 and schedule a time to chat with Steve or Amy. Uh, it could be over the phone, via Zoom or whatever. And depending on what your needs are, we might have an immediate recommendation to a specific attorney that uh, can, can um, help you draft out what you're looking to get done. But we'd be happy to help. Um, do you have to have an attorney? Great, this is a great question here, Nathan. I, and I, I really am gonna appreciate your answer on this, but do you have to have an attorney to have a valid will? Quick answer, Kurt, is no. As long as the, as long as the will is validly executed in accordance with the laws of the state that you live in, mm -hmm. uh, usually it requires witnesses and a notary, uh, but otherwise, uh, for it to be valid, you do not need a lawyer to do that. Now, it's advisable to have a professional at least review it to make sure that you've encompassed, uh, you know, because encompassed everything you need to. Because estate planning is a little bit like a, you know, it's a little bit like a machine and that if, you, if there's one screw that's just slightly loose, the whole thing can fall apart. And that mm -hmm. I've seen that multiple times. And so I'm certainly always going to advise you to seek professional help. But if you have a will that was, uh, you don't need a, it doesn't need a lawyer to be valid. So we have a relationship with a organization called GiftWise, and it is a online create your own will to, uh, toolkit that you can use. Um, and you can find that at Barnabas. If um, Linnell, if you can send me the link uh, in the chat session here so I can quote that correctly or, or Heather, where exactly we could find that. But Online will toolkits like GiftWise and others are great for fairly simple estate plans, right? The, the American family that's got, you know, the, the two kids, the dog, the white picket fence and a retirement account, um, most likely will probably accomplish their wishes if they're just leaving um, their assets directly to their children. Um, and that's at barnabasfoundation.com slash giftwise, you'll find the link to that. Um, but as soon as you begin to incorporate assets held across state lines, or perhaps you have multiple pieces of real estate or business interests, or you have circumstances where you have children or grandchildren with special needs, um, uh, complex business partnerships, whatever it might be, uh, once you get away from all the kind of normal things that the average American family has, um, it's when we would highly recommend that you seek uh, attorney or counsel to get the, the documents drafted appropriately. Um, is it ever too early to create a will? No, I don't think so. Um, I think you have to be of legal age to be able to sign it, right? You have to be, uh, what, 18 years of age or older to sign and execute a contract. Um, but certainly it's not too early. Um, when you're younger, as my first will was, I was focused more of concern on who would be guardians of my children because they were minor children and how would I um, transfer assets into accounts that would provide for their care and needs uh, over the balance of the, you know their uh, adolescence and young year, uh, until they were, they were young adults. Um, now, as my children age a little bit, my focus is a little bit more about you know how do I provide certain things for them, but also as I get remarried, I'm thinking about how would I help provide for for her children as well. Um, so, but absolutely, it's never too early to have a will. Um, and Nathan, in your practice before you joined Barnabas Foundation, you planned with it families of all ages, correct? I did, yeah. And I would say uh, once you hit 18, it's actually crucial to have, you know, powers of attorney for health and, and financial in place. And certainly a will can be helpful as well. 
Um, Ed brings up a great question here, and this was certainly one of the changes we saw last year in the law. Um, but related to the taxability of IRA assets, or really any sort of, of retirement-based assets, the laws changed on how um, quickly heirs can, or how they have to take those distributions, correct? How, how did that change last year with the tax law change? And then we'll touch on how, what you might be able to do with that. Yeah, so if he's uh, talking about the SECURE Act, mm -hmm. uh, it basically any, any uh, beneficiary who's not your spouse, so a non-spousal non beneficiary, it condensed the time period within that they must withdraw that IRA. So they used to have a lifetime, they used to be able to use a lifetime stretch uh, and so that would mean they would take it out in very small increments over the course of their lifetime. And what happens now is they actually have to withdraw all of the funds within 10 years after your death. So we call that the drain in 10 rule. And obviously that creates more of a tax burden for those beneficiaries than what previously uh, was in place. And there's two levels of that. One is, um, you know, they're going to get taxed heavier because they're taking more out in a condensed period of time, but they're also you know, it's going to up their, you know, annual income as well, which could create other problems in their, uh, you know, it's going to put them in a possibly put them in a higher tax bracket. Right. And so it's kind of a lose, uh, I don't want to say lose, lose, but it's not, uh, it's not as favorable anymore to leave retirement assets to your uh, children or uh, someone who's not your spouse. So this is a great opportunity for you to rethink your charitable giving. I don't know if you were going to go there, Kurt, but in most cases, if you are charitably minded, it's more advantageous to give retirement dollars to charity rather than leave those taxable assets to your children. Mm -hmm. Certainly, and there's, there's a number of strategies that we can deploy um, through charitable vehicles that will still provide income streams to uh, one's children um, from an IRA type of gift um, and then provide for charitable benefit down the road as well. So there are ways to stretch that back out over one's lifetime um, yes. or over a term of years that extends well beyond the 10 years um, yeah. in, in place now under the current rules. And it's not uncommon as we meet with folks to find that donors these days, I mean, people have million, two million, three million dollars in their IRAs and 401ks and so forth. So it's not uncommon at all for there to be large amounts residing in those accounts. Um, and then think about that for a moment. You had a million dollars and you have one child, and all of a sudden you're taking $100,000 a year and giving, and they have to recognize this income. You can see how that would drastically change their income um, threshold and the taxes they have to pay. And it just may not be the best intention of what you're trying to do, or there's, there's just other ways to minimize that tax burden um, and provide still for your children and their heirs um, through some charitable vehicles as well. Um, a question came in, would you recommend setting up the executor of a will as an attorney in fact to deal with estate matters before the person passes? Very specific question there, Nathan. Yeah, so um, the attorney in fact, that's a, that's a title, that's a legal term. Uh, so an attorney in fact is somebody that you've nominated or you've um, appointed in your power of attorney to be your um, agent. So you could... Uh, these that those terms are interchangeable agent attorney in fact so it's just a very specific legal term to to, to um, basically it refers to who you've appointed okay. so if you're talking about a will the person you've appointed or your agent it, uh, he or she is your executor now if you're talking about other documents like your financial power of attorney that agent that you've appointed is not an executor but they're they're known as your attorney in fact 
Hmm. And an attorney, in, in fact, is somebody who can basically stand in your place legally and do things like sign your name if you are incapacitated. So that's the difference between those terms. It's just kind of a difference in terms. Excellent. Thank you for those explanations. And just here is a quick uh, review of what we talked about today. You know, we believe everybody should have a will, um, regardless of your estate size, because if you don't have one, uh, a will or a trust, but if you don't have one, the state has one for you, and it may not be the way that you want your estate uh, handled or reflect your values, to be quite honest with you. Um, but these documents are living and breathing things, and they need to adjust and change over time as, you're, as you move through life and as things change, like your family changes that happen, whether it be new children or divorces or grandchildren, uh, special circumstances or needs related to them. Um, your charitable interests change over time, and certainly as your children age and they now have livelihoods of their own and they're taking care of themselves, um, their needs may not be as great, and so you have the flexibility and freedom to provide for more charitable causes um, that are near and dear to your heart. Um, careers changes um, as income changes or business starts or stops and so on and so forth may necessitate a change to your will. Your assets as they grow or, or decrease. Uh, which could happen, may necessitate a change and update to your will, uh, moving uh, and changing locations, uh, changes in tax law, and then of course time as time marches on. Um, these are all excellent reasons why you need to take that will out of the file cabinet or off the shelf every few years and just take a look at it and, and see whether or not it reflects your current, um, uh, current values and wishes of how you want your assets handled um, at the end of your life. Um, and as I mentioned earlier, as a supporter of any of our member ministries, our services are free of charge to you and available to you. And so if you just want to be able to sit across the table and talk to a planner and have um, a conversation about what estate planning looks like and all your questions answered without a bill starting and a clock running and you get in that hourly charge, um, that's what we're here for. This is the ministry field that we work in um, and what we've been doing for the last 45 years. And our attorneys, our attorneys here have decades of experience doing this with thousands of families across the country. Um, today's session is being recorded. As I mentioned, you can find it uh, within, in, within the next couple of days at barnabasfoundation.com interactive. So as soon as our video producer here sitting next to me gets the uh, final edits done, it'll be posted up available on, on there. And if you have any questions at all um, about our services or how we can help you, feel free to call us at 888-448-3040 or email us at planning at barnabasfoundation.com. Um, you know, thank you all for attending today. We appreciate your time, Nathan. Thank you for your insight and expertise in this area. And for our Thanks members for who are on the call, um, I just want to share two quick, really quick announcements. Um, our next conference is coming up on September 8th in Grand Rapids, Michigan. We'll have both a boot camp and our Proven Strategies Conference. Um, if you haven't registered for it yet, uh, look at your last monthly update newsletter, uh, the email newsletter that came to you and the registration link is in there. And then next month, our Zoom session is on September 18th and we will have a guest host um, who will be talking with with Heather Day, our uh, head of marketing here about um, marketing plan giving and looking at the fourth quarter. Um, so again, thank you all for your time today thank you for joining us. And Nathan, uh, a deep appreciation for your wisdom and insights today. Thanks for taking your time. Thanks for having me, Kurt. Bye-bye, right. everybody. Thanks. Thank you for listening to today's broadcast brought to you by Barnabas Foundation. To learn how you can give to your church and other favorite ministries in smart and powerful ways, visit www.barnabasfoundation.com.